You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Antichrist, a whited sepulcher, a false Christ, a pretender. But notice again, it is by the permissive will of God that he comes forth to conquer. Remember, this mighty angel commands him to go forward or be going. And thus, we can conclude that the Antichrist, as powerful as he may seem, nevertheless is under God's control. He's just a puppet in the hand of God. Some people today are obsessed with looking for and determining who the Antichrist is. But as Pastor Mike teaches today that though the Antichrist will have many distinguishable qualities, believers will see Jesus in the rapture before you'll see the Antichrist come and rule on earth. He'll be a peace-loving, charismatic, seemingly true person, but deep down his purpose is to pull people away from God. Ultimately, it's crucial to keep your eyes on Jesus and expect His return anytime. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Revelation chapter 6 for his message, The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Revelation chapter 6, and the text that we're going to be treating is found in verses 1 through 8, and this message, the title is The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. As we move into the sixth chapter, here in the book of Revelation, we begin that period of time known as the Great Tribulation, or the seven years of tribulation, or as many other people refer to it as the 70th week of Daniel. Now, why did he refer to it as the 70th week of Daniel? Because it is in the book of Daniel where we get a lot of our information from concerning the Great Tribulation period. For example, and as a cross-reference, just for a moment before we continue on here in Revelation, to Daniel chapter 9 in verses 24 through 27. The first thing that I want you to uh, be aware of, notice there in verse 24, of Daniel chapter 9, we are told that 70 weeks, or more accurately, 70 units, though that word weeks can literally be translated units, so the 70 weeks or 70 units of 7 years, which actually equal 490 years in all, are determined upon Israel and the city of Jerusalem. Okay, so there are 490 years that God has determined 
specifically to treat and to deal with his people Israel. And during which time he's going to do some pretty spectacular things, which would include the city being rebuilt. We'll talk some about that in a moment. And then later on, the city once again being destroyed, which took place in AD 70 by the Roman uh, general Titus, 70 AD. Then also it would include this 490-year period of Jesus, the Messiah, being revealed, him uh, coming upon the scene. It would also include uh, Jesus being rejected as Israel's Messiah and being crucified. And then later on, at the conclusion of that 490-year period, during the last seven years, Jesus, uh, by the entire nation of Israel, would embrace Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, as their Messiah. And so that determined period of time, the 490 years determined by God, that period, can be broken down into three divisions. And it includes the seven years of tribulation, as well as the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now quickly, let me break down those three divisions uh, that were determined upon Israel, but not only Israel, also upon the world. We'll talk some about that in just a moment. That 490-year uh, period. It's broken down into three divisions. The first division, verse 25. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 9. And notice it begins with Artaxerxes, the Persian king, his command for Nehemiah and the exiled Jews to go back and rebuild the city and its walls. Notice, and it's referenced by the seven weeks. Notice the mention of the uh, seven uh, weeks there in verse 25. And that seven weeks are 49 years. So it's a period, the first division in its entirety is a period of 49 years. In other words, it took 49 years from the decree of Artaxerxes to allow Nehemiah and the exiles to go back and rebuild the city, the walls of Jerusalem. It took place over a period of 49 years. So that's the first division of the 490 years. Then the second division begins with the completion of the building of the city of Jerusalem to Christ's first coming and then his crucifixion. Notice which is indicated there in verse 26, whereby we are told that the Messiah will be cut off. Now that would include some 62 weeks or 434 years. So the second division in all is 434 years. And then the final, the last, the third division of the 490 years, verse 27, is a period of one week or seven years where the Antichrist is revealed and the seven years of tribulation begin. And that's the reason why we refer to the Great Tribulation period as the 70th week of Daniel. Okay, so I hope that you've stayed with me and understood what I was suggesting. So what do we have here? The first division, which equals 49 years. The second division, 434 years. The third and final division, seven years. Total up all of those years, and they make 490 years, which were determined upon Israel, during which time God was going to do some spectacular, 
some profound things as it relates to his people Israel. But also, now the seven-year period, as it relates to the rest of the world, God is judging mankind. He is purging the earth. He's preparing it for the soon return of his son, Jesus Christ, and his establishing of his kingdom. Okay, so with that said, Jesus, the Lion of Judah, has taken hold of the title deed to earth, chapter 5. Let's go back now to the book of Revelation and our text. Remember last time together there in chapter 5, the scroll with the seven seals upon it. We uh, firmly established, I believe, that scroll represented the title deed to earth. And so in chapter 5, we find Jesus, who is recommended to us as the Lion of Judah, has taken hold of the title deed to earth by right of creation and redemption. Remember, we talked about that last time, verses 5 through 7 of chapter 5. His justice is about to be meted out upon the inhabitants of the earth who have rejected him. And in fact, as one of God's mighty angel declares in chapter 11, in verse 15, the kingdoms of the world are about to become the kingdoms of our Lord. And so all of what is being played out here is sort of a precursor to what is about uh, to take place. That is the seven years of tribulation. But I think that there's something very important before you go ahead and begin to treat our text to please keep in mind that the church has been already raptured. Notice, and all believers have received their rewards. Notice, which is indicated by the crowns that they have upon their heads. Chapter 4 and verse 10. So the idea here, and the reason why I believe that this is so important and to be mindful about, is that we do not have to fear uh, concerning some of the things that we're going to be talking about as we go forward here in our studies in the book of Revelation. Okay, so that sets the stage for this study, and it brings us right to our first point, and that is the man of sin revealed. Okay, so let's get into it now. Chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, with a voice like thunder, Come and see. Now that, that phrase, come and see, is an unfortunate translation. More accurately, it should be translated, be going, in the form of a command. So the rider on this horse is actually being commanded by God to go forward. So keep that in mind. And then in verse 2, and I looked, and behold, a white horse. This is the first horseman of the apocalypse that we're being introduced to. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow. And a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. Now, as I've already mentioned, with the loosening of each seal in heaven there takes place a corresponding event upon the earth. Now, one of those living creatures spoke, notice there in verse 1, and the sound was like the noise of thunder. Now, this is very suggestive. Notice there in verse 1. This thundering voice, I believe, speaks of the coming judgment. That is, is a reference to the seven years of tribulation. Because think about it. 
We know in nature, for example, that thunder precedes a coming storm. You know, one writer commenting on this said, and I quote, The thunder of divine judgment upon the earth rolls with increasing crescendo for seven years until the lightning of Christ's second coming to the earth strikes. Okay, so let's go back to that phrase now, come and see, which should be more accurately translated, be going. This living creature is actually, notice, speaking to the first writer, and he's commanding him to go forward. And the command by this living creature, notice, is obey. And I believe, as many other Bible teachers and commentators also believe, that this writer is none other than the Antichrist, the counterfeit Superman and the wicked one who is revealed after the church has been taken out of the world. And I think that this is also significant and important as well. Okay, here's another cross-reference for you. In 2 Thessalonians, if you quickly turn there with me, 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2, in verses 3 and 7, we are told, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come, that is the revealing of the Antichrist, unless the falling away comes first. And that falling away can more accurately be translated departure. And many people believe that this is a reference to the rapture of the church. In other words, the Antichrist cannot be revealed until the rapture of the church takes place. Now that's one interpretation. There are other interpretations as well. For example, uh, some believe that this is a referred to a great apostasy. Uh, that will take place uh, prior to the seven years of tribulation. So, you know, I don't want to be dogmatic about it, but nevertheless, if you look at it in context of when the seven years of tribulation begins and the first event taking place, the Antichrist being revealed, both of these explanations uh, would be true in context. So let me read it again for you. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, okay, the seven years of tribulation beginning, the first feature of that period of time, the revealing of the Antichrist, will not come unless the falling away comes first, either the rapture of the church or the great apostasy, and then, notice, the man of sin, the Antichrist, is revealed the son of perdition. Now, exactly what is it that is preventing the Antichrist from being revealed right now? We'll jump ahead to verse 7, and I think we have the answer to that question. Notice it says, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, that is the spirit of Antichrist. In fact, I believe some of the things that are going on right now across our United States of America has been energized by Satan himself. You know, the, the, the attacking innocent citizens, attacking our police, uh, you know, setting our communities on fire. I, I think that those uh, things have been actually energized uh, by the devil himself. This is the mystery of uh, lawlessness that's at work right now, uh, presently. But notice it goes on to declare, and only he, notice capitalized, and I believe that this is a reference to the Holy Spirit, who now restrains, restrains what? Restrains the Antichrist from being revealed, will do so until he, 
that is the Holy Spirit, is taken out of the way. Now that's not to suggest that the Holy Spirit is going to be taken out of the world, and, and that's the end of his uh, ministry. It's rather referring to the Holy Spirit's work through the church. And as the church is taken out of the world via the rapture, then it sets the stage for the Antichrist to be revealed. Okay, so, once again, the rider on this horse that we're first introduced to, I believe, is the Antichrist. The counterfeit Superman. The wicked one, who is revealed after the church has been taken out of the world. Now, notice also there in verse 2, concerning this fellow is riding on the horse, the Antichrist, his weapon is a bow. And I think that this is significant. There's something absent, though, here. He has a bow, but notice there's no mention of an arrow. Now, this is suggestive. And I think that what we're being told here is, in other words, his conquering to go forward will be a bloodless conquest, indicating that he offers a promise of peace. Now, how is he going to do that? Well, he's going to conquer through diplomacy and political wrangling. You see, he's going to be an extremely charismatic character. And this charismatic deceiver will have the capacity of bringing hostile factions of people together. In fact, in Daniel chapter 9, we are told that he will be able to resolve the conflict between Arab nations and the nation of Israel. He's going to form some kind of a covenant, sign a covenant, between Israel and the Arab nations that will result in a resolution of peace. You know, that which wasn't able to happen for right from the very beginning of times, he will be able to accomplish. And so that will just be one of the platforms that will enable him uh, to rise to this prominent position. He will bring temporary peace to the Middle East. He'll be a great political leader and strategist. In fact, in Daniel chapter 8, here's another cross-reference for you. In verse 25, throw this into the mix as well. And all of this, again, lends to his platform and enables him to rise to that prominent position whereby he will be received worldwide by all people. In Daniel chapter 8 and verse 25, we are told he shall cause craft to prosper. So under his watch, the economy will flourish. So listen, put all of these things together, and on the surface, he'll appear as someone who is pure, who is holy, which also, by the way, is indicated by the white horse that he's riding upon. And almost everyone will buy into his rhetoric. Now, how is this going to even be possible? Well, 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2, and verse 11, here's another cross-reference for you. We are told there, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now listen, this is not the first time that something like this has actually taken place. You say, what am I talking about? Well, think about Adolf Hitler. Think about this. When Hitler came upon the scene, he came across as a hero. Someone who would restore the pride of the German people. Who would build the country's shattered economy. Someone who cared about the common man. He appealed to those who wanted to return to old-fashioned morality. Meanwhile, all of the while, he was busy trying to exterminate the Jewish race. 
from the face of the earth and trying to involve the entire world in a war that would cost millions and millions of lives. So think about that, right? So God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Well, anyway, he is the Antichrist, a whited sepulcher, a false Christ, a pretender. But notice again, it is by the permissive will of God that he comes forth to conquer. Remember, this mighty angel commands him to go forward or be going. And thus, we can conclude that the Antichrist, as powerful as he may seem, nevertheless is under God's control. He's just a puppet in the hand of God. And then in verses 3 and 4, we are introduced to the second rider. So let's go back to our text. Verses 3 and 4. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see, or be going, go forward. Another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Now this red horse, I believe, as well as many Bible teachers and expositors, commentators also believe, represents a bloody warfare. You see, the effort of the Antichrist to bring universal peace apart from Jesus during the first part of the seven years of tribulation will fail. And this failure will result in strife, in violence, and bloodshed. Notice this rider has a sword, which is very suggestive as well. And he proceeds to take peace from the earth and to kill. Here's another cross-reference for you. 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5 and verse 3. When they shall say peace and safety, and that, that's exactly what they will be saying during the first part of the seven years of tribulation, when men upon the earth will be prospering under the reign of this new world leader, the Antichrist, when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them, and they shall not escape. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 3. The result of which? Men will be slaughtering one another. And that will be infused into men by a satanic power. You know, similar to what took place during the Holocaust, with an attempt by the Germans to exterminate the Jews. Notice there in verse 4, we are told, and that the people shall kill one another. And so listen, gang, during this time, there will be wars within nations, wars within classes of people, wars within religions, within races. Listen, all the wars that the world has ever known put together will be mined in comparison to the worldwide reign of terror and slaughter of human lives in that day. In my father's house there's a place for me in my father's house where I long to be oh my heart. We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse by verse study through the book of Revelation. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. 
You can listen online at oneplace.com by searching for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Venizio. Viewing our recent services can be an option as well through Vimeo. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You can reserve your seat and get directions at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you have any questions for us, just give us a call at 212-247-1877. We'd be honored to pray for you too, so feel free to let us know how we can do that for you. That number again is 212-247-1877. Would you like to connect with us on social media? You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just follow the links at harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today, and we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House. There's a place for